Hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, Western Canada's premier travel podcast, where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Hey, we're going to travel in two different directions this week. We're going to head up north and then down south. First, up north to Ivivik National Park in Yukon. Have you heard of it before? Well, that's where our good friend and travel writer, Carol Patterson, spent a few days staying at their base camp. So she is going to join us in a bit to share her experience there. And then we're going to go south to St. Vincent and the Grenadines in the Caribbean to find out what exciting things there are to see and do there. I've never been, so I'm excited to hear about it. But to start things out, we're going to talk about family travel and get some tips on family travel from the folks at Cheapo Air, who just came out with an article on the do's and don'ts of family travel. So here to explain further is Jerry Grimack. He's the Canadian rep from Cheapo Air. Their website is CheapoAir.com. Hi, Jerry. Hello, Randy. How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you. Uh, let's uh, Before we get to some of these do's and don'ts of family travel and some of the tips there, uh, give me some background on Cheapo Air for those who may not have heard about it. So let me tell you, Cheapo Air is an online travel agency. They specialize in providing cheap flights, great last-minute deals for travelers worldwide. And the best part about it, Randy, is that not only are they an online booking portal, but you can still call an agent 24-7 to speak to someone. Because nowadays, people love to get some reassurances or they may mm-hmm. have some changes, and Cheapo Air does offer that opportunity. Believe it or not, they have over 600 airlines. I only know 20. And they have <laughs> over 600, a million hotels and hundreds of car rental companies. So it's not just flights. You can get hotels. You can get package deals for the family. For everything. Well, let's talk about some of the do's and don'ts of family travel. Uh, multi-generational travel is a big thing now, but uh, I guess uh, some reminders and some good little tips here. Uh, let's talk about uh, some of the do's. And uh, one of the uh, do's on here is think about activities everyone will enjoy. I think that's kind of a no-brainer, but sometimes we kind of forget that, you know, I'm the boss with my children and we're going to do this. <laughs> that, you're right. And Shifu knows how travelers are, and that's why they put these tips together on their site. You're right. You've got to make sure that everyone has something they can do or else someone's going to whine, complain, get bored, and you don't want that because it's going to give you more headaches. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, exactly. And then uh, also spend uh, some, this is a big one, do spend some time apart. And I would even expand this onto making sure you have your own sort of space as in your own room like uh, some people talk about maybe you know sharing one big uh, you know like a condo or something like that but uh, I think it's good to have your own space so you can just kind of get away from each other you are correct Randy because just like you are at home you still need your space apart just to do your own thing just to readjust so that you're right a lot of people are looking for rooms that especially in hotels well they'll have a second suite that connects Mm -hmm. right yeah. Or something like that where they have separate rooms so everyone has their own personal space and time. Well, and yeah, and you mentioned time because sometimes, uh, depending on if you have different uh, ages of children, they're on their own different time schedule. So uh, you don't want to be getting up early and waking people up or you want to be sleeping in and not being woken up, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Especially if someone's an early riser or going to sleep late. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, and this is one I kind of regret uh, in the past, take plenty of pictures. You can't take too many pictures, can you? Because you can always sort them out and delete them. 
That's the best part. Nowadays on your phone, especially on the phone, it's easy to snap a quick pick, take a few options, and then at the end you sort of evaluate them and say, all right, this one was too blurry, this one didn't make the cut, we all had red eyes in this one. Mm-hmm. You know, you keep changing it, but it's easy to snap a quick photo because sometimes you'll think back and you're like, do we have photos about that time we were visiting this place? That's what's key. Uh, let's talk a few about the uh, don'ts. Don't skimp on time. This is an important one, too. Uh, make sure, you know, you want to have time and enjoy. Stop and enjoy the moment, and that goes back to maybe taking more pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great cause and effect link there, Randy. <laughs> but you're right. When you travel individually, it's easy for you to get up and go. But the more family members you have, imagine there's six of you. You have to make sure everyone's on that same schedule that you are mm-hmm. and on the same pace. So that's what's key. You may have to factor in the more member you have, you may have to factor in another five minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you do, then you're not panicking and saying, hey, we've got to be here, we've got to be there. Uh, everyone's just more relaxed, right? That is correct. And also bathroom breaks, right? The more people you have, the more opportunities are, they are, there are for people to say, oh, I need to go to the washroom. Quickly. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Uh, another don't, don't overpack. I think people do this uh, thinking they, they're, they're going to need more things than they actually do. You know, this is funny. I, I, I do this all the time. I think I may need that extra shirt, that extra pair of pants. But then you realize it's so warm. You look at the weather of where you're going as well. Are you going to need pants if you're going to 40-plus degree weather places? <laughs> no, you may not, right? It may be your shorts, your swimsuit, and some T-shirts. That's about it. Uh, and then my wife is actually really good at this one. Uh, don't forget the snacks. She's very good about uh, making sure that there's snacks on hand for our children. She does a good job of that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, again, it sounds like a no-brainer, but uh, some people are like, ooh, I'm hungry, and all it takes is a little snack, and you're good, right? Yeah, and going back to the time, uh, the, don't, the don't skimp on time, you've got to think about if you don't bring the snacks, you may have to make more frequent pit stops along mm. the way. So that's going to hamper that as well. So you've got to be careful. Uh, you can find all these tips on the uh, Cheapo uh, Air website. It's CheapoAir.com. Jerry Gramack is the Canadian rep for Cheapo Air. It's always a pleasure to chat, Jerry. And thanks for the info and the tips. Thank you so much, Randy. Have a great day. So have you heard of Ivivik National Park in Yukon? Well, that's where our good friend and travel writer Carol Patterson spent a few days staying at their base camp and exploring the area. So she is here now to share her experience. Her website is carolpatterson.ca. Hi, Carol. Hello, Randy. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. Where is uh, Ivivik National Park? Did I pronounce that right? Um, yeah, it's pretty close. Uh, some people say Ivivik, but um, any pronunciation is good. Uh, the important <laughs> thing is to actually get there. So uh, it is really one of the coolest places I've been to um, in Canada and probably in the world. And it's way up in the northwest corner of the Yukon. So you've got Alaska on the left. You've got the Beaufort Sea on the north. Um, it's about the size of Jasper National Park. And Parks Canada calls it uh, its most accessible Arctic experience, and I would have to agree with that. Um, for those people that don't want to go all rugged, it has a very nice uh, base camp mm-hmm. that would have what I would call a glamping type experience. That's so, my that's- type of camping. <laughs> <laughs> I interrupted. Continue. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say, you to get there, you have to make your way up to Inuvik, and then from there, Parks Canada will fly you in on a twin otter to one of the shortest runways in the Arctic, but it's a uh, 
it's a very scenic uh, approach. And the camp there has uh, six prospector tents with heat, and they have also a hot shower. So even though you're going to be one of very few people to make it to this park, you're going to be comfortable. And I should mention, too, that there's more people climbing Everest every year than making it up to Ivovic. So you really are getting away from it all when you when you go to this park. Well, I, I have to admit, I've never heard of it. And I had to look it up. Oh, wow, it's a national park. It's awesome. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. No, I think uh, I hadn't really been familiar with it either until I, I made the decision to go up there. Uh, but it was actually the first park in Canada that was created out of an Aboriginal land claim. And so this place is very special to the Inuvialuit, but it hasn't really been marketed very well. But um, I guess that's why we're chatting about it, is to let people know about this very mm-hmm. special place. Uh, expand a bit on the accommodations. I want to hear more about the glamping, and then we'll talk about some of the things you did. Okay, so when you arrive, uh, there's no vehicles, and uh, there's a small ATV that comes with a, a little buggy and picks up your luggage and takes it back to the camp. Uh, you walk maybe five minutes down a hill, and the camp is set up right along the Sheep River. And so you've got these beautiful vistas of the mountains around you. And then the camp is, uh, like I say, six prospector tents. So each tent has a comfortable bed in it, although you need to bring your own sleeping bag, but it has pillows and a mosquito net, and it has a propane heater. So if you're worried about being cold, you don't have to worry. Um, Each tent comes with a couple of very nice chairs on the front deck that you can sit in and watch the view in the 24-hour daylight. And then they have a large um, meeting area where you have your meals, which are prepared for you if you go for the catered option. And then there's a screened-in area where you can sit um, and do crafts or write in your journal. And then there's also a big sitting area, like a large deck with panoramic views. And, uh, yeah, and then, like I mentioned, there's a shower, so you can have hot showers. Uh, They have a five-minute timer on them, uh, so it's not like you can be in there forever, but you can certainly get clean and warm up if you get a chill in the rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was going to say, too, the land of the midnight sun. Uh, were you up there when the when the sun was just about there 24 hours? Um, I was, so it never really got dark. Uh, so it was kind of cool to get up in the middle of the night and get out and look and take pictures of the sun um, at the different colors and the different light. And, uh, yeah, and so, and you can go hiking any time of the day or night. Uh, the camp is, has an electric fence around because there are grizzlies in the area. So if you leave, you need to take, you know, bear protection with you, like bear mm-hmm. spray or bear bangers. But, yeah, no, there's, uh, it's kind of nice to be able to get up and do whatever you want all day long. Oh, it must be hard to sleep, though, I would think. Uh, they do recommend you bring a sleep mask if you find that, the light, hard to, to deal with. But, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't. And I was actually glad to have all that extra daylight because I found there was so many things to do. Uh, it was actually hard to settle down at night sometimes. And mm-hmm. um, now, did you, is there a camp kind of uh, supervisor or someone doing the, the work for you? You mentioned that there the people that cook there for you and everything like that. Yep. So the, there's usually there's a very high, I guess, staff to uh, client or customer ratio. So we had a somebody to cook the meals, and then we had. Uh, an Inu- Inuvialuit elder who was there for the cultural program and to help us learn about the culture of the people who have been connected to this land for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, two Parks Canada employees um, who helped us with our activities. So they were there to oversee things, but they took us out hiking every day. Uh, they were the ones that, you know, dealt with any questions. Um, one of them, uh, Megan Lenny, she had set up a cultural program. So in the evenings we did carving and embroidery, just like 
traditional um, Nuvialuit people have done for many, many years. So that was a very cool part of the program. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and the wildlife watching was spectacular. So the park was actually um, created to protect the porcupine caribou herd, which is a very large caribou herd of about 200,000 animals. And we were extremely fortunate in that about half of the herd strolled by one day when we were there. <laughs> and it made for some fantastic wildlife watching. No kidding. Did you have to sort of move out of the way? Do they, do they sort of care if you're standing in the way or not? Um, it's interesting. The, the first day that when they started to come by, we were... You know, our, our elder told us to be very quiet and just give them peace because they're very stressed at that time. They're, ma- they're bringing their calves through and they were trying to cross the Firth River, which is very fast flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were very still and we didn't move around much. We just stayed in the camp and just watched and took pictures. I think it took me three hours before I actually went and had breakfast because I was so excited <laughs> about seeing the caribou. No kidding. But I wouldn't move, yeah. But uh, the next day we went out hiking and there were still a few strays left and it was interesting. We didn't go near the caribou, but they came near us and they were very curious. I think they thought we were kind of ugly looking caribou, but they, <laughs> <laughs> they walked towards us. Very interesting. Uh, so now, was this uh, an organized thing? Like you mentioned, uh, how structured is it? Okay, so the the way it works is that the park is actually open for visitors uh, for June and part of July. So Parks Canada has um, several scheduled departures, which they can, they have on their website, and I'll give you a link or. I'll, I'll tell people where to find that later, but mm. they have these departures. And so you sign up for the one you want. Some have an option to stop at Herschel Island on the way out, uh, which is the Yukon's only offshore island. Uh, but so you arrive, and then from there, it's kind of up to you. There's a lot to do. As I mentioned, you can do the hiking. Uh, some people, they're doing a lot of photography. You can read with a book. You can participate in the cultural programs. You can just sit around and chat. Uh, and so you can be as busy as you like or as unbusy as you prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and it's a very still, quiet place. I, I found that very refreshing just to sit and to take in this pure nature that's around you. And, and I take it there's no Wi-Fi. Uh, no. No one's staring <laughs> at their devices. <laughs> uh, only of the picture of their caribou that they've taken. But yeah, no, no devices, uh, no connection. There is an emergency number if you need to be contacted, mm-hmm. but otherwise there's, no, you're, there's, uh, there is, um, they have the ability to play some videos, but there's no connection to the outside world. Uh, how many people uh, does the base camp hold uh, it's, at its peak, per, um, peak time or whatever? Uh, if it's full, I believe it's nine people, so, and then plus the staff, so uh, that would bring you to about 13 people, so it's a pretty intimate experience. Uh, hopefully you're with people you like, but uh, um, I think being out in the outdoors really brings out the best in people. And mm-hmm. so I really enjoyed uh, sitting around the evening and conversing instead of uh, looking at my device all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, and how far in advance would you have to book this then if you, it only holds nine people? I would imagine it, it, there's not a lot of uh, space for, you know, if you just sort of show up, right? Yeah, I think I, I would suspect there's probably occasionally room for last minute you know, add-ons, but uh, right now I was looking at the 2020 departures and some of them are starting to book, uh, but there's still availability. But I would say uh, the other thing too is you've got to get yourself to Anubik um, and some of those northern flights, you know, you don't have the same selection. So mm. I would say you probably want to book a few months in advance for a trip like this uh, to get the, the date you want. Yeah, We only have a few seconds, but uh, what else do people need to know if they're uh, planning a trip up there? 
that it's easy. You, you don't have to be an intrepid, hardcore adventurer to do this. This is for your average person that really just likes nature. Nice. Uh, you can find more uh, info on it. Uh, and <laughs> probably butcher the words here, but Ivivik <laughs> National Park up in the, uh, it's Yukon, right? It is in the Yukon, okay. yeah. Okay, and you can find out more with uh, Carol Patterson, travel writer on her website, uh, carolpatterson.ca. Thanks for the insight, Carol. You're welcome, Randy. Well, one area of the Caribbean that's gaining more and more popularity is St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I've never been, so I'm excited to hear about it. So tell us more about visiting St. Vincent and the Grenadines is Glenn Beach. He is the CEO of the St. Vincent Grenadines Tourism Authority. Their website is discoversvg.com. Hi, Glenn. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. You know, of all the islands I've been to in the Caribbean, I've been to many of them. Uh, St. Vincent and the, De- and the Grenadines, uh, I have not been to, so I'm excited to learn all about it. So, first of all, let's, let's start with uh, the basics of where they're located. I did look on a map, so I kind of get an idea, but you explain. Um, we're, we're in the Southern Caribbean. We're part of the Windward Islands. Um, the Windward Islands is made up of um, St. Lucia, Dominica, Grenada, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We're about 100 miles west of Barbados. Um, 32 islands and keys uh, were sandwiched right between Grenada, St. Lucia, and Barbados. Nice. So 32 islands. Uh, so I'm imagining that uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines make up two of those 32. Am I correct on that? <laughs> no, St. Vincent is <laughs> one and the Grenadines is the other 31. <laughs> well, now I know, right? This is why yeah, you ask questions. You yeah, yeah. <laughs> nine, of those, nine of those islands are inhabited. Three of them are island resorts. The, the three island resorts are um, Young Island, Palm Island, and Petit St. Vincent, where okay. the whole island is a hotel. Very nice. Uh, so now what are some of the, what is the St. Vincent and the Grenadines known for then? Um, I, I think most of all, I, um, we, we used to plant um, bananas. We used to be an agricultural nation until about 1994, 93, where tourism overtook um, agriculture as the main foreign exchange earner. We have the oldest botanical gardens in, in the Western Hemisphere. Um, I would say that we have a prime minister who is ranked amongst the top five in the world in terms of how smart and brilliant he is. And um, we're known as the Caribbean as it once was. We're known as the Caribbean that where when the image of the Caribbean comes up, we're exactly that. Tallest building is five stories high. Um, You know, still a lot of lush greenery. greenery. And um, what I consider to be the most diverse destination in the the Caribbean, St. Vincent, which is the mainland, is a volcanic island. Um, which has a, a volcano by the name of La Sofria, which last erupted in uh, 1979. And then you have the Grenadines, which are, which are coral islands. When's the best time to visit? All year round. <laughs> I unlike, knew you were uh, going to say that. <laughs> all year round, all year round. I mean, we have two seasons, um, unlike Canada and, 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 and U.S. and so on. We have two seasons, the wet and the dry season. The wet season you can consider around the hurricane season, which is... Um, June 1st to end of November there, and then the rest of the year is considered the dry season. I must admit with climate change and so on, that has changed a bit. 
you still do get um, some rain in the dry season and so on. But um, for Canadians, I, I would say all year round, but especially it's, I, I would say, it's your choice of which shovel you prefer, a snow <laughs> shovel or a sand shovel. <laughs> well, I'll always, I'll always choose the sand shovel. So. Yeah. <laughs> so if my math is correct, and I was looking on your website, discoversvg.com, uh, this is your 40th year of independence. Am I correct on that? Yes, yes, it is. Renewal at 40. Nice. Former well, British colony got independence in 1979. Yeah. Uh, so, what are some of the popular activities uh, people like to do? I could guess uh, beaches are uh, very prominent in that area. So, a lot of beach activities would be one, I would think, right? Yeah, um, a lot of people like the beaches. The Caribbean is known for for its um, lovely beaches, without a doubt. We are the only destination in the Caribbean where we offer both black sand and white sand beaches. As I said before, um, St. Vincent is volcanic, so it has black sand beaches. The Grenadines are coral islands, so they have white sand beaches. One of the things that people don't know is that the water of a black sand beach is clearer than that of a white sand beach. Really? In the shallow pad, yes. Just because when the sun hits the water um, and it, it hits the black sand, it reflects directly back up. So nice. very clear, uh, very clear water. Um, we have four main niche markets in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. We're especially known for our sailing and yachting, um, best water sailing waters in the Caribbean. Known for our diving, um, only Caribbean destination that gives you both types of diving because St. Vincent, once again, is, is a volcanic island. It has um, the cliff diving and small critters, some of which can only be found in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And then you go down to the to the Grenadines, and you have, um, you know, you're diving with turtles, um, sunken ships, that sort of thing, dolphins, that sort of thing. Mm, very nice. That. Yeah, then our third niche market is romance, which includes weddings and honeymoons. And God forbid, um, if you want to get divorced, you can do that in <laughs> We'll charge you extra for that one. But let's hope not. And our last one is adventure, which includes ecotourism. Climbing, climbing Lasso Freire, which is the volcano, um, lovely waterfalls that you can swim under and bathe under. So it's 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 a unique destination. Mm-hmm. Explain me, uh, explain to me the uh, best way of getting there by air. Do you fly into the capital of uh, Saint Vincent itself and sort of branch out from there? Is that sort of what most people do? Well, funny enough, we just we have five airports in Saint Vincent and the Grenadines. Um, we just completed. Um, our first international airport two years ago. And so funny, Air Canada Rouge was the first international airline to start flying directly in into Simmons and Iranian. So at present, AC Rouge gets there one, one flight a week on Thursdays. During the winter or tourism season, they do um, Thursdays and Sundays. Right now, we're speaking to them, hoping that for the winter season, they could carry it up to three times per per week during the, the winter mm-hmm. season and twice during the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. But like, for example, the month of July so far, um, Air Canada Rouge has been operating at 99.6% load factor. So they're doing well. So do people explore a lot of the other islands as well uh, as part of, a, I don't know, a week-long stay or something like that? Yeah, um, it's it's unique. So you, I, I spoke about the three island resorts mm-hmm. that that make up some of the Grenadines. You have Beckway, um, which is the second largest island after Saint Vincent. That has one of the as one airport. Mustique, which most people have probably heard of, lifestyles of the rich and famous, Brian Adams, Shania Twain, 
Uh, Mick Jagger, David Bowie, may he rest in peace. Um, Robert Downey Jr. A lot of the stars go there to visit. As a matter of fact, um, some of the royal family they're there right now hmm. to celebrate. I think the prince's birthday. Um, we have Canawan, which has the only Mandarin Oriental in the Caribbean, um, and Soho, which is another brand that will be coming into Canawan soon. And we have Union Island. <clears throat> which is um, down south to the southern, closer to, to Grenada. And the Tobago Keys, which is just um, heaven on earth, literally. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean is actually, the first one is actually filmed in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And there's a scene, um, well, all of it was filmed in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, but the Tobago Keys, there is a scene where Johnny Depp was running on an island and the island caught fire, I think it was. That's part of the Tobago Keys. It's just, um, it's an amazing place to see. Mm-hmm. Uninhabited, just a lot of a lot of islands. So what are just some of the uh, events and uh, festivals and things that uh, are coming up in the, in the fall and in the wintertime that people might want to circle a, a visit around? Well, we just finished our carnival. Um, that takes place, the easiest way to remember, which is called Vinci Mass, which we dub as the hottest carnival in the Caribbean. The easiest way to remember when that takes place is that it always starts on, on the last Friday in June and goes for 10 to 12 days after that. Um, as you spoke about earlier, we do have our independence celebrations coming up, which is a, a big celebration of, of, of what all we've accomplished in the past 40 years. In um, December, we have a, a unique Christmas festival called Nine Mornings, which takes place all over the country. So you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and there are different conference, um, concerts in different places throughout um, throughout the island. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a matter of kids singing, adults singing, competitions. You know, give you an example of a competition. You bring four, four guys on stage, and you'd ask them, you just came home, your wife just came home and met you in bed with somebody else. <laughs> Give the best explanation to get out of it. And then the crowd would vote on who gave the best explanation. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very Christmassy to me. Yeah, very Christmassy. <laughs> well, it's all about the fun. You know, it's all, it's all about the fun, local dishes and that sort of stuff. It's all about nothing rude or anything. Because mm. It's a very family-oriented event. And you go into January, end of January, you have the Beckway Music Festival. Easter, you have um, yacht races, the regattas, and that and that sort of thing. So, and we're starting some other festivals coming up. We have um, a breadfruit festival. I don't know if you've heard of breadfruit, mm-hmm. which is a, a new um, vegetable that is that is in the Caribbean. Um, we also have a competition where where people hunt lionfish, um, and lionfish is something that has come into the waters of mm-hmm. the Caribbean of of recent, and, and they multiply quickly. But once caught, um, they're, they're really delicious. The closest fish I would, I, would, I would say there to is red snapper. So we do quite a few things. Well, you can find out more information on the St. Vincent and Grenadines uh, website, discoversvg.com. Uh, Glenn Beach is the CEO of the St. Vincent and Grenadines Tourism Authority. That website, again, is discoversvg.com. Uh, thanks for your time, Glenn. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.